If you would, turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Colossians is in the New Testament. It's after Philippians and before 1 Thessalonians. And there's no shame in having to use the table of contents if you have to. There's some books that I'm looking for sometimes that I could swear my Bible left them out. But they're there. Before, um, before we read our scripture, and this, this doesn't really have anything to do with the message, but you know, sometimes there are things we realize about ourselves that we need to make a change or, or there's something we can do better, and we realize it. But then when somebody else points it out, it's kind of painful. During this period that um, extended summer vacation that the kids have had, of course, there's been a lot of television watched at our house. And one day while I was here at work, there was a commercial come on for a men's weight loss program. Now, for visual aid, I'm going to stand out here. And my darling child looked to his endearing mother and said, how much weight does daddy need to lose? Ouch. Yes, I know that I need to do that, but to have somebody else point it out to me isn't, isn't a lot of fun. But if you found your way to Colossians chapter 1, if you would stand as we um, read these first 14 verses. And it reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from that day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. God, <clears throat> we thank you for the reading of your word. I pray now that you would give me the words you'd have me to say, God, and speak to each one of us. Speak to me first and foremost as we look into your word today. 
We love you and we thank you and pray that we'd always be on mission for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. If I were to tell you how to get to my house, I would give you directions. I would say, go out such and such a road, turn on to such and such a road, etc. And unless you're using a GPS, if I say turn on to County Road 2045, I know there's no such number, you would be looking as you went for a road sign that said County Road 2045. Now these signs as you're going to my house, they're going to show you whether or not you're headed in the right direction. They stand as evidence of whether or not you're going in the right direction. Now, if you were to be using a GPS, a little bit different, you wouldn't be looking at the sign so much. But if you've ever used one, you've probably heard one say, turn around when it's safe to do so. Sometimes you still miss the road as you're traveling. Well, here Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. As far as we know, he never visited this town or this church. The closest he came was Ephesus, which was about 100 miles away. But Epaphras, who's mentioned here in verse 7, he most likely was saved in Ephesus while Paul was preaching there. And then he took the gospel to Colossae. While Paul is praying for this church in this passage, he mentions several attributes that applied to the Colossian church of a church that God can use. Now, for today, we can use these attributes as signs. As I was saying, if I were to tell you how to get to my house, those signs would tell you if you're going in the right direction or not. Well, we can take these attributes of the Colossian church that Paul was mentioning and use these as signs today to tell us if we're headed in the right direction or not. So there's four things I want us to notice. First, and these are questions we can ask ourselves. First, is the fire started? It's found in verses 5 and 6. When God saved Epaphras, he went back to Colossae and spread the gospel. Verse 5 says they heard the word of truth, which is the gospel. Verse 6 says that through the gospel, they knew the grace of God. You see, the fire of the gospel was spreading in Colossae, and people were being saved. Now, for the fire to be started, there are two things necessary to start a fire in the church. First, the gospel, what Paul calls the word of truth, is preached. This has to be our central message. Everything we do must have at its core the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel. It can't be a prosperity gospel. It can't be a social justice gospel. The gospel that we have to have at the center is Jesus Christ and him crucified. In Galatians 
chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, Paul's writing there to the church in Galatia. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And I held on to that last sentence because it is a great privilege, a great honor, and a great burden to rightly divide the word of truth. So I took that verse and I said, but even if Jonathan Rayburn, or but even if Blake Croft, or Jimmy McCarter, or Jake Evans preach to you a gospel contrary to the true gospel, let him be accursed. If I preach anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me be accursed. There are a lot of false gospels being circulated. Would you agree? One of them tells us that our best life is now. And I think there's even a book entitled that. Our best life is now. And you know what? I'll agree with that if you're not a Christian. If you are unsaved and living apart from Jesus Christ, your best life is now because if you die in your sin, it's only going to get worse. Christian brothers and sisters, this life is the worst we will ever have it. If you die in your sin, lost and unsaved, this is the best you will ever have it. Jesus Christ's sacrificial atonement for sin is the message of God's word and it must be at the heart of the church. And it has to be preached from the pulpit, but not the pulpit only. Each and every Christian, every church member, must be proclaiming the true gospel. So in order to start the fire, the gospel must be preached. And second of all, people must hear the gospel and be saved. You know, if you remember in school learning about communication, it's a two-way street. I can speak to you, but if you do not hear it and receive it, what I'm saying doesn't do a whole lot of good. When the gospel is preached, people have to hear the gospel and be saved. Of course, we know everyone is not going to, but that's not on us. That's because they have denied the convicting of the Holy Spirit. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. The only way people can hear the gospel and react to it is if someone tells them. They cannot hear if they don't have a preacher or a missionary or a Christian to tell them of God's love. To get this fire started in our church, we must tell others about Jesus. And when we do, they must see their sin in light of God's law. They must see that they've broke, broken His law and transgressed His commandments. Then the Holy Spirit must 
arouse the conscience inside of them. And then and only then can they be saved when they repent of their sins and say, yes, I trust in you as my Savior and Lord. But that's not anything that we can do. Our responsibility is to tell them. Then the Holy Spirit takes over. If they choose to say, yes, I've broken God's law, they say, yes, I need a Savior, but say, no, I like my sin too much, that's not on us. They have blasphemed the name of the Holy Spirit by not accepting the free gift of salvation. True repentance of sin and trust in Jesus Christ brings salvation. There is no other way. There is no other truth. There is no other life except through Jesus Christ. But he said that the fields are ripe to harvest, but the harvesters are few. We need to get our, our boots on and our farming clothes on and get out into the field and reap the harvest. The second thing we see here of a quality of a church that God can use is, is the fruit seen. Many of you have gardens. I do not, unless you consider weeds to be a garden. But I don't even tempt it. I know that if I plant something, it's not going to grow. But those of you that have a garden, what's the purpose of planting the garden? Some, somebody tell me, what's the purpose of the garden? Okay, I heard a lot at once, but I assume it's to get the fruit and the vegetables. The point is not the plant that grows, the point is the fruit or vegetables that comes from the plant. Now speaking of fruit and vegetables, a very knowledgeable, wise person once said, you know the difference between knowledge and wisdom. He said knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. But the purpose, just like the purpose of the garden, is to bear fruit. The purpose of the church is to bear fruit. God planted us here to bear fruit. And there are three foundational fruits in this passage that qualify a church that God can use. The first one found in verse 4 is faith. And this is faith, of course, in Jesus Christ, but not only saving faith, but trusting and sustaining faith. We place our faith in Him to be saved, but then we continue our faith in Him to sustain us and help us through difficult times. The church must follow Christ by faith. And when we pray, we must pray in faith believing that God answers prayers. If we don't pray with the faith that he will hear and answer prayer, there's no sense in praying. We're just beating the air with our words. We must have faith that he will hear and answer. It may be the answer we don't want, but it will be an answer nonetheless. Second is love. Love for all the saints even those we don't like. 
There should be no division between us. The word for love here, of course, is the Greek word agape, the perfect Christ-like love. This is not an emotional love. This is not a courtship love. This is a love that is shown through action. And what greater action of love was ever shown than the cross of Calvary? That's when he showed his love for us. And in verse 5, we see hope. Hope that is laid up in heaven. This isn't a hope that, oh, I wish for or I dream for. This is a absolute assurance. This is a, it's a, it's not I hope to get to heaven. It's no, my hope is in heaven. And when I get there, I know that I will receive that reward from Christ for be, being one of his followers. As I said, our best life is not now. The church is assured of a better day coming. What we have been promised in this life is hate and persecution, so expect it. But we've also been promised that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. What a hope we have in him. No matter what we face today, tomorrow, Dare I say the rest of 2020, the way it's going, I don't know. But no matter what we face, our hope, as the song says, is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. That's our hope, our hope found in our destination of heaven. Thirdly, we should ask ourselves, is the future sought? We find this in verses 9 through 11. Is the church looking to the future, seeking God's face for direction. Don't distort this to say, we have to change this, we have to change that. That's not what this is saying. This is saying, what does God want us to do? If God wants us to change this or that, will we do it? If God wants us to leave this or that alone, do we do it? Paul was praying for this church at Colossae in three different areas. And these should be our priority in prayer. The first priority found in verse 9 is seeking God's will for the church. What direction does God want the church to take? Well, I'll tell you what his will is. It's his will that none should perish. So it is his will that we get out into the fields and spread the gospel. But still, what does that look like? What direction does he want us to take in doing that? If you'll remember in experiencing God, one of the main tenets of that was look where God is working and join him there. And it's difficult. Following God's will can be hard. It can be uncomfortable. I struggled with the called a ministry for some years because I was scared to death I would be sent to Africa as a missionary. If that had been God's will, I'd have had to follow it. And it may be yet, I don't know. But that's everybody's fear. Oh, God, don't send me to the deepest, darkest Africa to serve as a missionary. But it can make us uncomfortable to follow his will. 
I've heard it said, and you may have heard it said also, that the safest place to be is the center of God's will. But I tend to disagree with that. The center of God's will is the best place to be, but it may not be the safest. I think of Jim Elliott. He was a missionary to Ecuador. He was martyred. I believe that he was in God's will being a missionary to that country. It was the best place to be, but it wasn't the safest. He wrote in his journal, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He's talking about life. He is no fool to give his life that he cannot keep to gain that which is eternal hope that he cannot lose. Or William Tyndall. We owe our Bibles today to William Tyndall. It's not been, but relatively, a few hundred years, but not relatively long that we've had the Bible in English. William Tyndall was executed for translating the Bible, the New Testament, into English. I believe he was in God's will. Without the Bible in English, would there be as many in America saved today because they had not heard the word of God. And to beat it all, he was executed because he was going against the establishment of the church. But then, just a few years later, they took his work, and that's what, down the line, your King James Bible and your English Standard Bible was based on, was based on his work that he was executed for. I believe any Christian martyr, if they could talk to us today, would say, God's will is the best place to be, but it's not the safest or the easiest. But since it is so difficult, any step forward in God's will must be planted solidly on his direction. Second priority, we need to pray for a worthy life. Pray for a life that is pleasing to God. When Israelites come out of Egypt, God told them to be holy because he is holy. And that's our responsibility today. He saved us. We are to be holy as he is holy. How many churches can we name that have had ugly splits and problems? I know we can name some. But a church that God can use conducts itself in a way that it pleases God and it has a positive witness in the community. Ask yourself, does the community know that we love them? Does the community know that we are Christians by our love one for another? And probably the most pointed and stinging question, I had to ask myself this, and it hurts. If North Etowah Baptist Church ceased to exist, would anyone notice? If the answer to that is no, then we're not in God's will for this church. Thirdly, pray for God's strength. 
Pray for God's strength to follow his will. Pray for strength to live a worthy life. Pray for strength as we try to reach the world for Christ. Evangelist Ray Comfort said, when we pray before we go evangelize, he said, don't pray for less fear, pray for more love. And fourthly, in this scripture today, we see a church God can use is a church where the Father is supreme, verses 12 through 14. A church that God can use above all is a church that worships him. It's a church where God will be supreme and his son Jesus will be the head with no competition. Verse 12 tells us to give thanks to the Father. What are we thanking him for? Well, if you'll look at me again with those last three verses, 12 through 14, it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. That is what we're thankful for. We have been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into a kingdom of which we have hope in that we do not deserve, but transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son where we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Amen. What a hope. And as I think about these passages of what God has delivered us from, we've been told a lot lately which lives matter. I'm not going into that. I will not go off on a political tangent. I don't believe that's my place. We've also, through the month of June, been told that we need to have pride. Many of y'all know what that is. Gay month, whatever they call it. But to have pride. Friends, let me tell you what I think about that. I am proud that my life mattered enough for someone to die to pay my penalty for sin. And I'm proud that my life mattered enough for somebody to tell me about it. Again, I'm not going to the politics. Tragedies have happened, tragedies continue to happen. But in this world, junk is going to happen. And as we get closer to the end, it's going to keep happening. When Jesus was arrested being crucified, they said, well, why aren't his angels delivering him? Why aren't his disciples fighting for him? He said, because my kingdom is not of this world. Friends, we're not home yet. There's a song right now by Mercy Me, I Love It. He says, we're almost home, it won't be long. We're not home. There's problems. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ 
as your Savior, as your Redeemer, if you're living and walking in your sin, you're living your best life now. It's hard to tell someone that their life that's, is going well. Can you imagine going up to Hugh Hefner, the late Hugh Hefner, who lived in all sorts of sin, had all sorts of money, and saying, you need to get saved for a better life. He'd have laughed at you. No, friends, you need to be saved because there's coming a day that you're going to stand in judgment for what you've said and done. That's my plea with you. Don't do it for a better life because you're going to be disappointed. Do it because you need a Savior. You're headed straight for hell. You'll split hell wide open. And once you're there, there's no turning back. But today can be the day of salvation. I'll be down front if you need to come pray. You don't have to tell me a thing. If you want to come pray for our church, pray for our search committees, any prayer needs you've got, the altar is open. And I hope that you will take advantage. But if you want to pray there in your seats, that's fine as well. So let me pray and then we'll have our hymn of invitation. Our Father, God, my prayer at this moment is that North Etowah Baptist Church is and will continue to be a church that you can use in this community. God, any time that we stray, I pray that you will remind us of these qualities that Paul saw in this church at Colossae and that we would keep the fire of the gospel going. God, I pray if there's anyone here today that you're convicting them, that you're you're working on their life to say, you need a Savior. They know they've done wrong in light of your law. Father, please do not let them leave here today without repenting of their sins and trusting you as Savior. Whatever your will is, God, during this time, I pray that it would be done. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.